Learn, work, thrive, lead, persist, communicate. Portrait of a graduate. Welcome to our podcast. The Springfield Public Schools Portrait of a Graduate is the community's vision of essential skills and attributes that students will learn before they graduate. It is intended to empower Springfield schools and the community to reimagine teaching and learning inside and outside of schools. More than 200 people attended our community events. At least 700 educators participated in educator conversations. Around 50 student leaders participated and about 1,400 people reviewed draft copies of the portrait and provided feedback. It took more than a year to engage those stakeholders, more than 2,000 of them, in conversations where district officials listened to their hopes and dreams for Springfield youth. The result of those conversations is The Portrait of a Graduate, a single document that lists central skills and attributes that Springfield schools, along with the community, will help students develop. The next step in our work is continued engagement with educators, students, and community members and utilizing the portrait as a blueprint that will guide the district's strategic plan for the next five years. A strategic plan that defines new ways to inspire and empower our students. Welcome to the Portrait of a Graduate podcast, episode one. Today we are talking about project-based learning, what it is and what it means for students and teachers. And we'll even hear from two students who use project-based learning to address real-life issues of social media law and endangered species. Our special guests today are Andrew Forbes, a teacher and instructional leadership specialist at Central High School, and Allison Leach, a project-based learning and computer science specialist at Walsh School, and fifth grader Nalia from Walsh School, and 11th grader Maggie from Central. So, Mr. Forbes, can you kind of give us a little breakdown? First of all, tell us what an ILS is and then talk about project-based learning. An ILS is, I spend 20% of the time teaching. This year I teach 11 AP and 10 CP. And the rest of the time, or the majority of the rest of the time, I spend coaching and working with other teachers on creating things like projects to implement in their classrooms. This year, we've kind of done it around essential questions. So we'll take standards and take the unit and kind of blow it up and say, okay, what's going to be the end product? So like backwards design stuff. And instead of that, we'll have a writing component, but also have kind of a project or research inquiry based component to it as well. So right now, for example, all of my 11th grade are doing inquiry based research on topics and questions that they've developed, the students have developed, with kind of the teacher guiding them through it. My role with other teachers has really been to give them confidence to give up the control in the classroom that it really is 100% student-driven. We've been working on, in one particular class, a project about like, what's, how can we fix schools? What problems do you see throughout the day? And a lot of students are doing their work around mental health, Um, around Mm. access to things in the building, around grading. So it's really, they're doing the work in which portrait reflects. So it's really interesting to then be able to say, well, this is what's coming. Ms. Leach, what's a fifth grade project that you oversaw? One of the things that we've learned through doing project-based learning is that it's a shift from where we did like dioramas and posters and presented information. It's shifting more towards solving a real world problem. 
So taking that learning a step further and saying, okay, I learned about endangered species. Now what am I going to do about it? So the fifth grade project that they just did was on endangered species. And they each looked at animals in Massachusetts that are endangered as well as other places. And they worked in groups and they chose an animal that was endangered that they wanted to research and come up with a solution for or just educate people about. And that's what Malia worked on. So they did endangered species in this last project. Oh, cool. Malia, what what animal did you, what species of an animal did you look at? I did a clouded leopard. What did you do for that project to figure out how to help the clouded leopard? We um, like researched them and we we drew more attention to the humans about endangered species to about our animal because they were endangered. How did you give people that information? Like, what did you use to teach people? I used a PowerPoint and a Flipgrid to research and talk about some facts and about it and how they are endangered. So do you remember what you learned about what it even means to be endangered? Like, why is a species endangered? Because they are in trouble and they're getting hunted for their teeth and their skin to make coats and stuff. Okay. Did you know anything about endangered species before this project? Actually, a little bit, yes, but then I had learned more when Ms. When Ms. Leach had taught me. How did you even get information to include on your PowerPoint? I researched. So um, how do you research? I mean, I don't. how do you even research? Where do you begin? I researched on Google and like a whole bunch of websites like mass.gov to find real and interesting facts that are happening. Ah, I see. And then you put it together on a PowerPoint. Did you work by yourself or with a group? I actually worked with my team. And do you remember what information you were able to get that we can all do as humans to help endangered species? A GoFundMe page where you can send money to the to the clouded leopard and other animals that are endangered. Ah, so that was kind of, that was information you included in your presentation. And so, Ms. Leach, if I understand it, how would this have been taught differently if it wasn't a project-based learning? Our science teacher probably would have taught it, and they would have just given the students information and maybe had them do research on one animal and, and present it to the class. I know that's a way that it's been done in the past, whereas this time the students were le- were leading that, and they were picking the animals that they wanted to do. Um, They were choosing how they wanted to present their information. So some people did PowerPoints, some people did posters, um, some people did videos. So there was a lot of choice within that. We're hoping that eventually we'll be able to have people from the community come in on our showcase days so that we can share that information even more publicly. Um, And then their PowerPoints and their videos were put into a presentation for the whole school and the project that everyone else did. And then we shared that out to families um, and other people too. So Maggie, your research project was around the the attachment and the addiction to phones and social media. That was the project you did? That was like the overall topic of our class. But my question was more of the like legal repercussions, like because we have freedom of speech as right in our country. So as like we develop more like social media and like a lot more, like every individual person has a lot of access to spreading any kind of narrative they want on the internet. So how right, right. Does, how does freedom of speech, like how does that go hand in hand? You know what I mean? 
the majority of my paper was talking (laughs) about the power like social like allowing people to post whatever they want can manipulate society that was like half of it like the business side of things so interesting like big businesses they can when they start to like own and um portray in media like i'm explaining this badly but no so so basically so you watch these documentaries that mr forbes talked about and from that you 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 thought on your own what is a problem that i see here like what really stands out to me that society is facing based on what i learned by watching these documentaries yeah so you figured out legal legally we're looking at an issue yeah and when i was researching like i couldn't even find a specific like yes or no answer on the laws there have been like court cases and like people saying whether a certain post was inciting violence or a certain hate speech was against you know it wasn't appropriate for that platform but because of so many like Facebook and like Instagram and Snapchat, all these different things, it's not necessarily left up to the legal system. It's more whatever consent forms you sign to sign up for the app. That's what's dictating what you can post. Yeah, interesting. And, I mean, these are huge issues that are are the world, I was gonna say our nation, but I mean our district, right? There's incidents in our districts, there's incidents in families in the country and in the world. And so you really are, you really looked at a huge, huge problem. And what did you find that there's no real strict answers as long, if I'm understanding you right, it comes down to the company, whether it's Facebook, Snapchat, the, the permissions forms or the agreement forms that the user agrees to, the terms they agree to when they sign on. That's, that's the extent of the legalities right now. Yes. And no one can decide on a, like, when something happens negatively because of some kind of false narrative online, there's no, like, legal proceeding to see how, like, who was at fault. Mm. So it's really case by case, and it's not set in stone for any situation, especially because of how fast we're advancing. Right. Every time they add a step, right, you have more options. Like, the law can't keep up with technology. It's changing so fast. Especially like I researched, I got an article from, I think it was the New Yorker, but I, I read a lot of different articles. Um, <laughs> and, sounds like it. <laughs> yeah, they were, um, they were talking about how in the 2016 election, they, after, they traced a bunch of Facebook accounts that had been spreading fake news, outlandish things that they knew would draw in clicks to a a small country or like town I think in a completely different country across the globe and they had so many users in that country who were spreading like acting as if they were American and spreading all these fake yeah news wow. sites and when interviewed about it or I think like analyzed I don't know if they got any direct quotes but they were basically incentivized by money and allowed to buy these platforms a lot of these platforms will let you post the mm. fake news and they won't double check and they'll even give you money if you get more clicks. So it really incentivizes people wow. in America to post yeah. whatever they want to get as much attention and views to get money. So you know a lot. You're you're almost like a mini expert. I wouldn't maybe say mini, but you know a lot about this. Did you have an interest in this before this assignment came up? Did well, you know any of this before? I knew a little bit about like, I mean, it makes sense. The people who are like our influencers of today and like the pranking YouTubers, the, like the clickbaits that everybody has, they show you how much money they make. But I never really realized the news 
side of it. I thought that everybody who said news or who claimed to be a reporter had to be telling the truth. And um, that's that's not true. <laughs> you can put whatever you want on the internet and usually there's no repercussions. If you get to a certain level, maybe you might get investigated or if you do something with the government, then you might get a trail following you. But if you're starting just like reaching a certain limit of an audience, like maybe 10,000 versus, you know, impacting a full election, you can still be posting that stuff. And both sides do it. It's not just one political party. Usually, depending on which side, the intent or the target audience is different. But especially in this country, it's very easy to target and manipulate a certain audience and specifically Facebook. And a lot of those information tracking websites, they able, enable you to do it. The ones that you, I mean, most of them you put your location, but specifically yeah. Facebook, they had been like under fire for like, you know, keeping your information and you can do targeted ads. Mm-hmm. I mean, I know that on Instagram and I mean, now they're owned by the same company, but if you like, cause they, te- they keep all your information. So if I just click off a box, like I want to send my ad to 17 year olds in Springfield, Massachusetts, who like the beach, then I could send out (laughs) a certain targeted information, like someone dumped nuclear waste into this beach, don't go, because I wanted Mm -hmm. the private beach to myself. Mm -hmm. And I could do that, and they wouldn't fact check me, I just have to pay them my money, or I could spread an article, and they might pay me if I got a lot of clicks. Maggie, my question for you is, so what are we supposed to do as consumers? How do we protect ourselves against fake news and clickbait and all of that? Make sure you're double checking your sources, number one. But for any kind of site that you're signing up for, read the terms and conditions. I have a couple paragraphs on that in my research paper. The amount of stuff that they put in there that people just click and sign their rights away to is like insane. And people have done studies on it. They put in like hidden messages. Like if you read this and click a certain answer, like we'll give you $10,000. And so many people have missed it because they don't read the instructions. And yeah, yeah. yeah you wow. Sign, that's... Like signing away your information. You can be signing up to get a, like targeted ads. You can be signing up for like facial recognition and you wouldn't even know if you don't read it. And they specifically make it like difficult to read and right. using elitist language, I guess. Yeah. So like so the average person or like the 13 year old who's signing up for Snapchat isn't going to understand. Right. So double check your sources, probably listen to both sides to see, like cross-reference the facts. Just make sure it's a trusted source and probably look on government websites, you know, or like Mm -hmm. .edu. Okay. That was awesome. So um, Nalia, I wanted to ask you, what are your favorite subjects in school? My favorite subjects would have to be like math and reading and social studies. Mm. Technology. Oh, wow. So that project that you did had a little bit of everything in it because did you say math was one of your favorites? Yes. So I'm sure you have to use math to figure out if a species is endangered or not, like how many of them are there and at what rate are they disappearing? Social studies was a part of that because you wanted to look at what we as humans can do to help endangered species, technology, because you you did a PowerPoint presentation. So I'm kind of getting the the feeling that project-based learning is basically real world work and finding out solutions to problems or exploring issues. Yep. 
the more that we can integrate this with different subjects, the easier time we'll have doing these projects. So like this year, we're also part of the computer science for all program that's happening in the elementary schools. Mm -hmm. So the fifth graders actually did a project with me all about ecosystems and they created dioramas and did that kind of stuff with that. So we're looking at next year adapting this project that they just did on endangered species to kind of integrate with that computer science module on ecosystems, because then, I mean, we'll have more time to do so much more and dig so much deeper because we're integrating it and having more time. Does it seem possible that like one project could cross all the subjects? Yeah, I mean, we definitely have had some that do more than others. Um, Like third graders did a moving to Mars project um, where they looked at some science stuff through space as well as plants and animals. But then they also did their ELA curriculum. Some of it had space books. So they were doing reading anyways. And then they were doing opinion writing based on whether or not they thought that we should move to Mars if we needed to. Um, So some are easier than others to integrate. But I think the more that we do them, the more that we're learning how we can do that. Is it more work for teachers or is it different work for teachers? I would say it's just different. I mean, once now that the teachers in our school are doing it and seeing how engaged the kids are and how much they're loving it, it makes it a lot easier to do that work. So it's 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 a shift for sure, but it's just different. It's not, I wouldn't say it's more, I would say at this point, it's just different. Maggie, let me just ask you, like, what does it do for you as a student when you're doing something that you, that you have an interest in, like social media, or, you know, just something that's relevant to you in your life? How is that different for you than something else? Well, personally, I'm more of a hands-on person. And like, so I love projects in general, but I like this project specifically because he, the way he broke it up, and in my like professional career, I want to be a social media marketer. So this is, you know, exactly what I should know, especially to have good morals in doing that. So, exactly. Um, yeah. Yeah. Exactly. So it's interesting. It's and, awesome. Yeah. As a teenager who, you know, always has my phone. It's good to, you know, <laughs> yep. be aware what I'm doing. <laughs> to be aware, right? To be an educated consumer. Definitely. And it's also um, a goal. You know what I mean? Is like, you don't think of it as like, social justice or like citizen issue but it is you know it's like not just good students good people responsible people and this this helps in that and like ready for the outside world and all the things you need to navigate now I think these types of things right Nalia what was your favorite part of your clouded leopard project it was actually fun because we had we got to do like research about like an animal that's really cool and um that can fascinate you like of some stuff that you didn't even know. Right. So did it feel like you were in school doing work or did it feel like you were just doing something fun that you enjoyed? Doing something fun that I enjoyed. That's awesome. Great. Well, I want to thank everybody for talking with us today. Is there anything that you teachers or you students want to say or add? Oh, um, I personally think that projects are the way to go because it allows the students to express what they're learning in whatever like medium is best for them. And I, I mean, personally, I think it's boring to just be writing essays and taking tests for the whole like curriculum. 
So to integrate different kinds of projects, especially when the teacher lets you choose which way to, you know, show it is really fun. Thank you for basically summing up yeah. the entire what project-based like learning is about. <laughs> that's exactly exactly the reason. That's exactly that's it. Um, yep. Malia, do you want to say anything before we end? I think people should do more projects because instead of like doing textbooks and stuff, you actually can get like your hands on making stuff and researching and not just being in a class and you know just reading books all day or doing. That. Awesome. You're such a great student. Oh, I got to meet two amazing students today. And hopefully I can come into your schools and actually meet you in person. Um, and the same thing for you teachers. Thank you so, so much. Um, this has been so much fun. I learned a lot. And um, those projects sound so cool. Portrait of a Graduate, the podcast, is a production of the Springfield Public Schools Office of Communication. Azel Kavan, executive producer and host. Christian Polanco, production manager. Ewan Tran, a senior at Putnam Academy, production intern. Theme music written by Marcos Carreros, music teacher at the Springfield Conservatory of the Arts and performed by the Conservatory of the Arts School Band. And I'm Davion Gatson Kong. And I'm Abriella from Glenwood. Thank you for listening to our podcast. Have a great day.